Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1326, air date September 26, 2023. Yep, starting, I'll let you know. Yep. We are live. Uh, Mr. Dr. Shiva, it's a great honor to have you on my show. And uh, can you please introduce yourself? Uh, so I, I've just got a few words. I'm a, a great fan. I've been following you. Uh, and I'm quite impressed to, with the message you get, you, you, you're bringing here. So just in a few words, you are a, a MIT professor. You are the inventor of email. And you are also a U.S. President, uh, candidate for the U.S. presidential elections. Can you please introduce yourself, uh, Dr. Shiva? Yeah, so I used to teach at MIT, so I'm not a current professor there. Uh, I run a company called Cytosolve, and we'll talk more about that. Um, but you're right. I have a bunch of degrees from MIT, four degrees from MIT. Um, my PhD is in a field called systems biology. And um, it's a fascinating field because it takes a systems approach to looking at life. And it's a part of a larger field called system science, which we'll talk more about. Um, but my journey, Angelo, has really been in two realms, you know, in a um, deep love of politics, you know, and systems, but also a deep love of medicine and systems, right? So systems is the interconnector between these two worlds of uh, politics and systems. And, um, you, know, my, uh, you know, my running for president is quite unique um, <clears throat> because typically they do not expect someone as an engineer, a scientist, a guy who actually has his hands dirty to solve problems. Uh, they typically have these morons running for office who are supported by one wing of the establishment um, and their goal is to divide people up, right? And even when they talk about bringing people together, what they really mean is when people talk about unity, um, their unity is basically shoving under the rug all the fundamental contradictions, right? So when they say unity, their word for unity means let's not talk about the fundamental issues. So people have to be very careful about unity because their fundamental goal is to, you know, um, you know, what I, what I really wanted to talk about is, you know, th their fundamental goal is um, to divide and rule people. And I think um, we'll probably talk about that, but, you know, my intention is to talk about how we overcome them, how we shatter the swarm. And I think we are at a very important point in um, history that we can do that, you know, with this very, very uh, important opportunity to do that. So anyway, uh, that's a little bit about my background. So, so what you do, would you define as, as uh, uh, what would be the change you're looking into? Uh, uh, and what, what would be the, the preconditions that uh, for you for, for, to have a democracy, uh, basically to give back, back the power to the people? Yeah, it's a good question, Angela. So I think the first thing we need to do is to understand what the problem is. Okay. And then I want to answer that. Um, the fundamental problem is, you know, when the revolution in the United States took place 1776, it was an extraordinary event. But people need to understand it, it was at a certain point in history when the merchants, the emerging merchant class of the world, right, um, was fighting against an old guard called feudalism as the kings were going down. It wasn't a revolution of for working people. 
we need to keep this very important in mind. A lot of people think it was a revolution of the work. The concept of um, the industrial working class or the working class really didn't exist in the 1700s. It was typically landowners and people who worked the land, right? But nonetheless, um, 1776 in the United States was an important historical event because in order for the merchants who were the emerging class who were fighting the decaying class of the kings, um, they had to mobilize the rest of the people to support them. So they gave them something called a Bill of Rights. Otherwise, people weren't going to fight for them against the kings, right? Um, and, and that involved, in some ways, one step forward and two steps back, right? So they gave people the executive branch, right? Uh, the legislative branch um, and the judiciary. Um, but nonetheless, the elites that took over against the decaying elites made sure that the judicial system was still in the 1500s, right? So in some ways, the legislative branch advanced, the executive branch advanced a little bit, but the judiciary still to this day in the United States, you could argue in the world, is one of the most backward organizational structures. It's like when you walk into a courtroom, you know, with those people wearing their wigs and all this nonsense you have to go through, it's like you're back in the 12th century. And in fact, in the United States, so lawyers still have the nobility title, Esquire, ESQ, which is one level above gentleman, one level below knight. So people need to understand that the American Revolution, yes, it was a very important step in history for humanity, but it wasn't granting real rights to all the masses of people. In some ways, it was bourgeois democracy, right? Um, it was from the beginning a democracy for those with money, <laughs> right? Um so now we've gone through the 1700s, the 1800s, 1900s, and now we're into the 21st century. And the world has changed a lot. Now we went through the industrialization process. Some countries still are. Um, but we have this whole world of the digital world, right? The information age. And the purpose of the information age was to really devolve power more to people. And the mistake that we as people, citizens make, is we think anytime new technology comes, it's going to liberate us, that we don't have to do any work, right? So when the printing press came, we all thought that we were going to have more freedom. Anyone could print and we could distribute literature. That was true until the elites consolidated themselves into four major publishing companies. So if you write something, you want to get it out to lots of people, you have to go through these gate gatekeepers. Similarly, when the internet came, you know, I wrote a book back in 1993, or the web came, called Arts and the Internet. I also have a degree in art and architecture, by the way, in visual studies. And I thought, wow, the, the uh, internet will help a lot of us who are artists, my friends, go direct, eliminate all the gatekeepers. But again, that was during 1993 to maybe, you could say around 2000, right? People were building their own websites, but then we had consolidation again, Facebook, Google, YouTube, right? Um, so what this leads to the understanding is that technology is not going to give us freedom. Technology in many ways is technology. It's dispassionate. It can be used to expand freedom or it can be used to um, consolidate power, profit, control. It's a very important point to understand. Uh, but it is 
ultimately what people have to do bottoms up. And they have to awaken to recognizing that anything the broad mass of humanity has gotten has always been through building bottoms-up mass movements. And the more conscious those movements are of the understanding of building those movements, the more they can cause a serious phase transition, e.g. a revolutionary change, right? So it is really comes down to the understanding of the broad mass of people of how the dynamics of these systems take place. And so, Angela, my life has been really about growing up in the caste system of India, having a deep interest in science and engineering, understanding this dynamic. No different than Isaac Newton watching an apple fall, understanding the dynamic of that, or no, no different than Maxwell and Faraday, understanding the physics of electricity and magnetism. And that is what I really uncovered, Angelo. I've understood and I've organized in a scientific way the, you know, I put, put it into an initial book so everyone can read it called System and Revolution. But System and Revolution, instead of people having to go to MIT for 30 years, it describes what is a system, the nine principles of every system. What are the dynamics of these systems and how you can apply these principles to your body, to your job, to building an organization, but also to make a phase transition, make revolutionary change. But without this understanding, Angela, we're, we're basically going to be doing this and this and this and never understanding the foundational systems. So um, let me give you an example. I have a flyer here, okay? And I think I can share, right, on your screen? Let me share something here. Let me share something here for you that will uh, help you. Let's see. Let me go. I'm going to bring up a... So... Um, there's a very, very important, um, there's a very important, uh, uh, if people, by the way, go to shivaforpresident.com, Shiva numeral four. Can you see this, Angelo? Yeah. Okay. Um, on the free download section, our goal is we need to go offline if we really want truth, freedom, and health. There's a flyer here, Angelo. I assume you can see it. And we're going to get about 50 million of this handed out worldwide, Okay. And what does this flyer say? It says, a lesser of two evils is killing your children. So, and this flyer goes on the left side of the flyer is really the problem. And the right side of the flyer is the solution. But let me start with the upper left. This graph, Angelo, starting from the policies that were implemented by the left and the right, actually starting with the Kennedy administration in the 1960s, um, led to the destruction of the lifespan of Americans. And that you can see this upside down curve. And you can actually see the concavity of what's going on globally. This curve is also gonna go down. So if you look at the simple curve, what it shows is that if you have a child today, your child is going to have a shorter lifespan than you. This is in the United States right now. And this has been brought together by the policies of what I call the swarm. The swarm is the multiracial decentralized international organization of elites. They're not in any one country anymore. And that is what you see. So this is quite profound because it doesn't matter what left or right you are, your child is gonna have a shorter lifespan than you. And this curve, the red line, is a result of not any one thing. It's not the vaccine or it's not Obamacare. It's not just the toxins. It's a whole multitude of interconnected policies that were put in place by design. And then the left side of the graph 
or the uh, sorry, the flyer teaches people who's a swarm. You may have seen the swarm video, Angelo. Um, it's 15 minutes. It's a very nice video because anyone, every family should watch it. It explains who the elites are. And then on the right side, you know, it gives a campaign video and then it gives a solution. One solution is people need to understand the system's dynamic. So it took me 50 years. There's a very nice set of knowledge and curricula called Truth, Freedom, Health. Truth, Freedom, Health is a university. It's a movement. It's a community. And on the bottom right, every Thursdays at 11 a.m. and 8 p.m., um, Angelo, we literally go and give solutions for healthcare, the environment, education, innovation, governance, and economy. And the solutions that I'm providing here are not something that demands me win the presidency. Because many of these politicians, Angela, they'll say, oh, after I win the presidency, then I'm going to do this, this, and this, right? This is what we can do right now. Now, if I win the presidency, I can just reach 8 billion people, right? So that's what we're doing. We're creating a fundamental understanding by my running for president, Angelo, that the future is you. Do you want to raise your consciousness and understand that things have to be decentralized and bottoms up? And in that journey, you have to understand fundamental principles of how the universe operates. Principles, which way, by the way, Angela, the elites learn. Henry Kissinger, you know, all the advisors to the major governments, the so-called smart guys, they actually understand science of systems. So you have all these left ideas, right ideas, grifters doing all these podcasts. But without understanding of system science, you're just talking nonsense. Because the issue is, do you want to fundamentally change that curve? Because the curve is by design headed to depopulate people at a very fundamental level. And if you want to change that curve, you can't be making compromise. Well, Trump, yeah, he did this, but he's good over here. Or Bernie Sanders or Booby Kennedy. All of these people who get visibility on mainstream media are part of the swarm. If they get visibility, they're working for them. And in 2020, as you know, Angelo, um, a guy like me with all my degrees, with all my achievements, should not be fighting against the establishment. They expect a guy like me to pay homage to them, to support them. But I couldn't do that, Angela, in good faith because of, I never forgot where I came from. You know, I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up in India. I grew up in working class neighborhoods in New Jersey. You know, a lot of uh, immigrant Italians taught me how to paint, taught me how to do landscaping, very hardworking people. Um, they want to create an environment that they keep wanting to bring people to look above, to the messiahs, to think they're going to come save us. And what that's going to result in is that curve, okay? Nothing's going to change. So our campaign, our global movement for truth, freedom, health is really about asking the individual, do you want to raise your consciousness? And if you do, we've created the entire framework for you to do that. If you don't, you're going to essentially be a slave and don't complain anymore because um, you're headed down a path of where you're going to be in this pile or this pile and you're constantly going to be choosing, as our flyer says, the lesser of two evils. Uh, Dr. Shiva, I, I just want to, to, to jump in, uh, if you allow me. Can you hear me? Yeah, 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 please. I'm oh, sorry, the connection. Uh, so uh, I, I, I get the whole idea. I, and I agree. I agree the, the, the consciousness, raise the consciousness, and give people 
the the also that class consciousness is the one percent against the ninety nine percent. We are clear on that. My problem is, and I agree also that we exchange one king against hundreds of kings. Right. That's the swap. That's what we did. It's the same as uh, the 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 French Revolution is exactly what the same. They actually use the poor to to fight on behalf of the bourgeoisie. Now, you are talking about a game where the rule of the games was written by the elites. And you know, whoever writes the rules of the game controls the game. Yeah. That's my problem. Dr. Shiva, that is my problem. And you know, I've been following a movement. I don't know if you're aware, there's a, there was a movement in France, very similar approach than yours. It was the Yellow Vest. Yeah, I know those guys, yeah. And they were about rewriting the rules of the game because, because that's the essence. You are playing a game which is rigged. How can you do that? Because, again, everything is rigged from the ju judicial system to absolutely everything. Yeah. And additional to that, you have against you the media. We all know that there's a strong correlation between the exposure you have in the media and the votes you are going to get. Yeah. How... How do you get those votes? And I get the idea. I get the idea. You, you're going bottom and raise consciousness. But that's you playing a game where they control the rules of the game. And ultimately, they are, you have in front of you people that, that were willing to kill a president. You have people that silent a president, sitting president. How do you do that? Yeah, so let's... Without, so, so without I, blood. I, without I, killing... Yeah, let's go back to fundamentals, okay? Let's go back to very simple fundamentals, okay? First of all, uh, to me, this is not a game, okay? But let's go back to fundamentals, okay? Throughout the history of humankind, there's always been a class struggle, right? And, you know, people have written about this, right? I think in many of uh, Marx's work, retrospectively, he made some very, very accurate observations about this, okay? Some of his prospective stuff, he may have been inaccurate because he didn't have enough data, but his retrospective stuff, you have to give the guy credit. He made a very clear analysis of hunter-gatherer societies, feudal societies, and modern you know, uh, industrial societies, right? Because he was looking backward, right? Most people don't know 99% of his work was a retrospective review. Only 1% was perspective, right? But here's the, here's the issue. Whether you look at Marx or whether you look at John Locke or whether you look at Lenin, I mean, all these, you know, Adam Smith, all these people, the foundations of their theorizing was based on philosophy, okay? Was based on the humanities, right? Um, most of the works of Marx were built on uh, German philosophy, right? So on, right? So we have to recognize that the, there's a fundamental problem here because they didn't have the tools to look at history. In some sense, you know, you could say Marx created historical materialism, but nonetheless, there's a fundamental problem I have here is that if you look at why apple falls from the tree, there's fundamental laws you can, break, uh, you can use on this, right? There's engineering systems principles, um, the works of Maxwell, the fact that we can communicate with our phones today is based on fundamental knowledge that emerged about how electricity and magnetism connect. Now, if, if we want to understand these large-scale systems, political systems, transportation systems, industrial systems, right? You cannot use philosophy to analyze that. 
And that is what we've been doing. And because of the tools that were given were, were philosophers or economists, right? Um, they didn't have the fundamental tools. This is my central thesis, all right? So when Lenin wrote State and Revolution, for example, right? He was fundamentally using philosophical concepts, right? He was looking back at the works of classical liberalism, right? He was looking at the works of John Locke and he was saying the concept of a state from the classical liberalism model existed to ameliorate class antagonisms. And Lenin flipped it on its head and he said, no, the state exists to ensure that class uh, antagonisms are maintained, okay, with the police, the army, right? And so on. So when I wrote System and Revolution, I and I've been studying this for a long time, you know, I used to have all of these revolutionary writers' books, and I used to study ancient systems of medicine. And believe it or not, as a teenager, I'd sometimes throw away these books, and I'd throw away these books. It was a constant struggle in my mind. But the breakthrough for me occurred in 2007, okay? Because as an engineer, I had studied engineering systems principles. And engineers have to do something that is quite extraordinary, like a plumber or an electrician. We have to live by the laws of nature. We can't bullshit our way through stuff. We can't write stuff like a lawyer, beautiful words, and rationalize stuff. If you build an airplane and it falls out of the sky, it doesn't matter what you say. You're bullshitting people, right? A plumber, he comes to fix something. If it doesn't work, he can't talk his way out of it. All right. Now, engineering systems principles really, really advanced themselves in the 1920s. And then the 1950s with the work of Ilya Prigioni, who won the Nobel Prize in chemistry. It's very important to understand. So the principles of system science did not really exist at the time of Lenin, Marx, Thomas Paine, John Locke, you know, Aristotle, Socrates, all these guys. They didn't have access to these tools. So any idea that they had of about how society should be and how you create change was always based on their ideas, okay? Now, what I uncovered was these engineering systems principles pervade everything in nature, everything. Your body is a complex system. This microphone is a complex system. Healthcare is a complex system, everything. And what I also intersected, Angela, the big aha moment I had was when I was I took a Fulbright fellowship for about two to three years, went back to India, and I was studying these ancient systems of indigenous medicines, traditional medicine, which have existed for 10, 20, 30,000 years. And what's fascinating is, Angelo, they also used a systems approach to understand the, the body, or in fact, all of the universe. And they used a set of language, which for centuries, people thought this was just garbage. And what I deciphered was their principles of systems matched one-to-one -one with engineering systems principles. And when I got back, I wrote an important paper in a journal of systems engineering. Now, me having looked at the body as a system engineering principles, I also realized that if these systems principles are universal, they should apply to anything they do. So what I'm saying is we have to go back to ground zero and, and build the right theoretical framework, recognizing some mistakes were made. You know, when the Paris Commune took place, they took over Paris for two months, right? When the Bolshevik Revolution took place, you could say the real revolution lasted about two years, three years. And then when the, you know, these countries tried to invade Russia, 
Russia had to go to a very different model, right? Uh, after the death of Lenin. But where we are now today is we need the right theory. When I mean capital T, okay? And that's why many of the um, many of the quote, quote unquote capital C communist countries have devolved into state capitalism. State capitalism is not, you know, true socialism or true lowercase c communism, right? It's state capitalism. And the fundamental theoretical understanding is it's still a top-down model, right? And the reason is that if you look at the Bolshevik revolution, when there was a bottoms-up movement being created, Lenin thought you would, you would accelerate that by creating a top-down vanguard party, all right? And so even among quote-unquote communists who talk about the masses, they still take a top-down approach. So um, we need a different tool. We need a different set of technologies. We need a different innovation. And that's what I've organized. So from that perspective, Angelo, what you realize is as long as we proceed any type of top-down model to create revolutionary change, it is going to be bankrupt. It'll always end in the same way. So how do you solve that problem, right? It's a fundamental scientific problem because the thesis is, and the ends justify the means. Okay, right now we're going to do this, this, and this, because once we get into power, then we're going to do this, right? And that never happens. So the conclusion that comes is there's a very powerful, theoretical, truthful fr framework that occurs in nature called self-organizing systems. Had Lenin, had Thomas Paine, had, you know, other Socrates understood this, they would have had a very different view of society. Now, that concept of self-organizing systems really doesn't come into view until the 19, 1957. And what self-organizing systems teach us is that if you take a body of matter or information or energy, when it self-organizes at the, at the individual level and collective level, that system can go a phase transition, okay? And in that model, it is not for me, and this is a problem that many revolutionaries make. They think they have a vision of how society should be. They have this vision of utopia. And therefore, you're going to dictate to people how that should be. Now, a very different model is you educate every particle in the system to self-reflect on how the system dynamics operates. And if every particle raises its consciousness, what comes out of that, Angelo, I cannot predict, nor should I. But what will evolve is a phase transition. The simple material example of this is, if you take a, and I, I don't recommend anyone do this, but if you take a pan of oil, a little thin sheet of oil, and you put it on a, on a stove and you start heating it, initially the bubble, you know, bubbles will come very random. But at a certain temperature, it's almost like the molecules are communicating to each other. It'll form a beautiful pattern, like a hexagonal pattern, for example. That's a phase transition. And then you heat again, it'll go to random and it'll form another phase transition. This was a work of Ilya Prigioni, which basically said the mechanistic view of the world is a subset of the fact that the world is actually in a chaotic random state. Under certain conditions, mechanistic view emerges. So when Newton discovered the laws of mechanics in the 1600s, this created this dialectic between the scientific view of the universe and the religious view. 
because the religious people said, oh my God, if Newton's right, that means he can predict the particle of everything, right? That means destiny rules. It's a mechanistic world. And the religious popes and everyone didn't like this concept because that means there is no God, right? So we created this dichotomy. But when you take a systems view, it actually breaks down the stupid dichotomy. One realizes that in a large scale system, one particle, quote unquote, raising its consciousness and another one raising can completely transform that system. Okay. You know, Marx referred to it as class consciousness, but he never really got into the concept of discussing consciousness, Angelo. On some level, he did, right? And other theoreticians have talked about it in, in, in religious philosophy and spiritual philosophy. And what I'm here to tell you is that consciousness is a systems consciousness of understanding there are these principles that govern every system in the universe. And these principles are very material system understanding. It's not just something etheric. It's not something philosophical. It's actually engineering based. So that is really the fundamental view that we go to. And what that leads to is you need three pillars to cause change. Number one, a very clear vision that, and the vision is also connected to these fundamental principles, truth, freedom, health. Now, what are those? In, in my view, these are atomic concepts that literally connect to fundamental engineering principles. And, and we teach this at Truth, Freedom, Health. So freedom, truth, and health are three concepts that relate to engineering systems principles, transport, conversion, and storage. If you take a general systems theory course, you'll find out everything in the universe is composed of movement of information, thoughts, matter, right? Physical goods and energy, mechanical, electrical, so on. Transport. That is the same, Angelo, as freedom. Why is freedom such a necessary, why, right? We have to, well, why do you need freedom? Because in, because the universe is composed of movement of information, matter, and energy. That's what the freedom concept really is. Now you go to another concept in nature called conversion. Conversion is a very fundamental principle that occurs in all of nature. You eat an apple, your body digests it, the conversion process, right? Um, oceans, right? Through convection, you go from water to steam, right? And so on, right? Uh, conversion is going on everywhere. Right now, people are hearing my voice, which is a mechanical wave, which is hitting this microphone, which transduces it from a mechanical wave into an electrical wave, right? Conversion. Now, truth is actually a conversion process. Truth is really should be a verb, all right? Because how do you get to truth, right? Or what is truth? Truth is you execute something called the scientific method. You want all sorts of crazy ideas, which is freedom. And freedom gives us all these ideas. You apply the scientific method. Some of those ideas get thrown out and some of them make it. And even the ones that make it may go through further refinement. Newton's you know, uh, laws had to go through another refinement process when um, Einstein realized that when things move at the speed of light, you have time dilation, right? So you have to uh, apply the Lorentz factor, right? And so on. So the truth is the conversion aspect that is also a fundamental part of this vision. Now, the third process that occurs in engineering is called the structure of the storage concept. 
everything in the universe must have structure. The vessel in which movement of information, matter, and energy conversion can take place. When you boil water in the morning, right, to make a cup of coffee, the heat is a conversion process, which takes cold water, makes it hot. The boiling and the movement is the a transport. But the pot, we forget about the pot, which is the infrastructure, right? In our world, not only do we need freedom and truth, but we need health. Health is really the, you need economic health, physical health, et cetera. So we've defined a very clear vision now, truth, freedom, health. No different than land, peace, and bread, okay? In some fundamental way. Now, to attain this, we need people to do two things. Not only to have a vision, but they need to study. They need to understand this engineering process. So truth, freedom, health, we've made that accessible. And then people need to do action, right? You need to take, you need to materialize this. Materialization of it, get on the ground. Because the vehicles of social media now are completely controlled by the elites. Every thought form is watched, controlled. What we thought was going to be when I wrote Arts and the Internet, what I thought was going to be freedom has become actually a vehicle for oppression. Because Elon Musk works he, where government ends and Elon Musk begins, nobody knows. When I, in 2020, if you remember, it was a very important gateway. I, as an engineer, as a scientist, ran for office. I exposed the election fraud. I exposed Fauci. I exposed the entire backdoor portal. And they said, holy shit, this MIT guy is exposing everything. He's not supposed to do that. He's supposed to work for us. So then they silenced me on Twitter, which is the most important political platform for two years. And when I got back on, what do they do now? Much more clever. They put me on, but they shadow ban me, right? It's a much more vile form of censorship. So, so the material matter we need to do is, number one, awaken people to this dynamic, Angela, because George Soros studies reflexivity theory. He was one of the theoreticians. Henry Kissinger understands system science. So just like, you know, at one point in the 1700s, people understood the words of John Locke, right, or Thomas Paine, that theory, or then or in ancient times, people understood the works of Ramanujam in India, right? Or the works of Aristotle and Socrates. That is, with all humility, that's what I've uncovered for our age. But it's founded in physical engineering principles, which gives people a much more grounded framework, better than what Marx or Lenin, frankly, did. Because they didn't have the works of system science. And so my running for president is not supposed to occur, Angelo. It's a major disruption, Right. Typically, who runs for president? The Kennedys, the Trumps, people have golden-plated toilet seats. No one typically from below runs. It's typically one mobster running against another mobster, okay? You know, I think you were referring to John Kennedy being shot. Maybe that's who you were referring yeah. to. But we have to understand something very fundamental. You know, John Kennedy was part of an organized crime family, okay? And one organized crime family shooting another organized crime family, it's really of no concern to the masses, you know, so we need to recognize this very fundamental and we'll never know who shot him, just like we'll never know who shot Jimmy Hoffa, right, or Sam Giancana. And it's irrelevant to the masses. What's relevant to us is how do you mobilize a movement? And in order to do that, we must understand the fundamental physical laws because we're going to lose any time. And what uh, has always occurred and the, the masses started mobilizing, Angelo, in the first phase, they did open fascism, right? Just shut down people, cut people's heads off. 
In the next phase, starting the 1970s and 50s, what they did was they created, they manufactured the not so obvious establishment. They created the Kennedys. They created the Bernie Sanders. They created the Georgia Maloney's. They created, you know, the Gandhi's. They created the Martin Luther King's because they realized, holy shit, the masses have learned how to organize. So we're going to create for them their fake heroes. So, but what's typically occurred is that there's not been a mobilized global organization of people with that consciousness to expose the not so obvious establishment. The first person who perhaps did this was trying to do this was probably Lenin. I mean, if you read State and Revolution, State and Revolution is really an attack on the Kautskyites, right? The Social Democrats. And if Lenin was successful uh, in the Bolshevik Revolution, it was because he was able to clearly recognize the not so obvious establishment of his times. But he made other theoretical mistakes. He didn't have the concept of a self-organizing system in his head. Had he, he would have devolved power back to the Soviets, which he was unable to do because it wasn't global. People forget after the Russian Revolution took place, it was like a, a, a bomb went off and 14 countries tried to invade Russia because every worker said, we want something like that. And Lenin at the time of his death realized it needed to be proletarian internationalism, right? But he it was too late by then, right? He didn't have the right theory, Angelo, nor did he have the recognize it had to be global. So what, what have we done? We have now a half a billion people who've heard about our movement. They can't suppress it, right? So they're sort of screwed. When they, to your point on visibility and invisibility, every time they try to make me invisible, others are now saying, wait a minute, Dr. Shiva is the one who did that. Dr. Shiva is the one who did that. So it's backfiring on that. So our my running for president is, by the way, the tip of the spear of a movement. Now, we know they're going to cheat, Angela. We know the judiciary is corrupt. We know the legislature is corrupt. We know the presidency is corrupt. So why am I running? Well, look at what we did in 2020. We disrupted. We exposed a whole backdoor portal. We hit Fauci so hard. We helped millions of people uh, save their lives. That's not supposed to happen. So now we're doing it globally. So, and we're educating leaders. So we have about half a million people in 120 countries who are learning this knowledge. And now bottoms up, we're finding leaders. We have leaders in Italy. We have leaders in um, Africa, right? Many leaders in the United States, in Canada. And these leaders are understanding these concepts but they come bottoms up, Angelo. They're not anointed top down like a vanguard party. You see? So it's very different. Yeah, there's, a, there's one thing that saddens me, the system we have uh, in the West. Uh, it's a, it's a very much like a showmanship. It's uh, basically a beauty contest and uh, there's yeah. not so much uh, meritocracy. And, uh, and the problem, uh, I, I, I'll give you an example. I, I've studied uh, neuro-linguistic programming. I don't know if you're familiar with, the, with it. I, uh, I know it very, very well. I was taught this by a very interesting guy whose uncle was an interrogator in the CIA. And yep. a very, very um, powerful concept. It's really used for evil and it can manipulate people, you know? Um, all of these people learn this. Tulsi Gabbard, the woman who claimed yep. she's fighting the military industrial conflicts, she's running the PSYOP unit. I mean, when you hear her talk, you don't get anything from her except she's manipulating people, right? So all of these people learn NLP, Angelo, or they're trained in it. Yeah, but, but what saddens me, what, what we learn in NLP is actually when you give a message, and it's very, very sad, 
when it comes to politics, what people pay attention to is the first, first is uh, body posture and, uh, and the appearance. That's the first. The second element is the tone of the voice. If you have very firm voice, you know, securing and, and sadly, the third is the content. Yeah. So you see, the problem is we are in a society which is very emotional and not so much rational. So you are coming here with a scientific approach and I buy everything about what you say. You have a holistic approach. You are touching the fundamentals of why, existential. You know, when we are talking about health, freedom, that's existential. And it's very, and it's very you know, very pragmatic. But the problem is that how do you do? You are living in a society which is led by emotion. That's how, so, you know, it's, yeah, so, how many people vote, voted for Macron in France because he looks nice and, and he's young. Just the single fact that he's young and he's telling you, he's telling the, the magic word of change. I'm going to bring you change. Obama did it. They all did it. Yeah. Trump did it. Oh, Always those same messages. So, so, yeah. So, Angelo, by the way, you know, um, let me share that. You see, so when we did this flyer, Angela, there's a lot of thought in this flyer. Okay. So, one, first of all, it's one page. You see that? It's not 20 pages. Okay. It's one page. Yeah. yeah. Let, let me put it once. Yeah. Yeah. So, let, let me answer your question directly. Okay. Um, it's a one page flyer. By the way, Angelo, uh, to give, give your audience and everyone background, you know, I've been doing activism, system science. This is not theory to me. I've been on the ground for 44 years of my life, Angelo, since I was a, a high school student, okay? When I was at MIT, Angelo, the administration of MIT funded the student newspaper with a couple of million bucks. But with one flyer, Angelo, we mobilized the entire campus, okay? And we had a massive impact. So why do I bring up this flyer? Okay, let me bring that back up again, all right? When you look at this flyer, what's powerful about this flyer, it's going at a very powerful thing. These people are killing your children. And that's it. Now, you have to make a decision. If you're a parent or you care about, or you you have to make a decision. Do you want to continue killing your children? Okay? And then it leads to the fact that this has been going on for about 70 years. All right? So let me come back to your point. All right? I gave a talk. Uh, we can stop sharing the screen. So here's the fundamental issue. There are three types of intelligence, Angela, and I talked about this. What you're talking about is the lower forms of intelligence, which are known as instinct, which is what animals have. You know, uh, some snake is trying to attack a baby cub. The mother kills the snake, right? It's action reaction, the reflex. Um, in the ancient systems of Indian medicine or yoga, we call that the two lower chakras, okay? The thing that's attracted to animalistic behavior, or driven by emotion, instinctual intelligence. Now, one level above that is called the intellect, intellectual in intelligence, right? Where you learn how to solve problems, you learn calculus, and you learn engineering, you learn words, you learn how to put together beautiful essays, you learn how to write cases and briefs and all that kind of stuff, right? And lawyers do this. Now, the problem with that level of intelligence is you can use that intelligence the intellect, to build a spaceship, right? To build an iPhone. You can also use it to manipulate people and rationalize why a criminal is okay, right? 
But the highest form of intelligence, which humans have the capacity for, is called intuition. Now, in the when the ancient yogis or gurus studied the body, they found that there were these different energy centers in the physical body. They call them higher chakras, lower chakras, and you can study about this. And many different sciences talk about this. You can go read Harvard Business Reviews on intellect intuition. What we are trying to do is fundamentally different because humanity is at a very important inflection point. Do you want to accept these rulers who want to drive you? And by the way, this concept I'm sharing itself, most people are not even aware of. So now we want to make people aware of that. So those in power who are running the intellectual centers of intelligence are doing all these machinations in a very mechanistic world, collecting data, analyzing it with chat GPT, right? And telling you what to think. But the fundamentals of what they're trying to do is to drive you to the emotional, to the instinctual intelligence of the lower animal form. Oh, Trump has a tan today. He wore this makeup. His daughter has big breasts and is, you know, they look good, whatever the hell they want to do, you know? Um, they, they're driving people there or, or, or uh, you know, Biden looks stupid and he's demented and his son has bad teeth and he, you know what I mean? So, that's it's at the lower form. But it is my view that and and I, I'll give you the data on this, okay? That the human journey is about rising to the higher form of intelligence. In my view, at a very fundamental level, you have to ask what is the purpose of life? This goes down to the root issue. Is the purpose of life to just live an existence, a very animalistic existence? a material existence and die, right? Or is the purpose of life to go through life's journey to raise consciousness? I believe the latter is true, okay? And in that journey, the goal of an intellectual, which is what you and I others are, is a very different, we can choose to use our intellect to drive people down to the instinctual intelligence or raise people's consciousness. That is what a rishi was. That is what a teacher is supposed to do. We're supposed to catalyze people to a higher state of consciousness. And that is what our movement is doing, Angela, at a fundamental level. And it's a grand experiment, definitely, okay? Typically, it was done by small schools, you know, or you go to a teacher in a hut and he teaches you something, right? But if you looked at the arc of human history, whenever there was points in human history, even where a small set of people raised their consciousness, right? You had massive change, massive, because it was a raising of consciousness. If you look at the 1700s, you know, you had Lavoisier and others who had discovered the laws of chemistry and enough people understood it that they were able to start applying this. And that's what we're fundamentally trying to do, Angela, but in a very practical street model, okay? Right? Not something theoretical. So, but that's why we call our Truth, Freedom and Health program a warrior scholar program. You will see me out on the train stations in the morning distributing one of these. I don't care all the degrees I have, right? It doesn't matter. I, I could easily say, oh, I'm an intellect. I'm just here to teach. No, I get on the ground, Angelo, and I will pass out flyers, all right? Now, why do I do that? Because you have to make eye contact. You have to see what people are thinking. Is your message working or not? And that And that's the mistake that many of these revolutionary leaders did. They forgot their connection to people. And what we're doing is we're mobilizing people globally 
and getting people out of their ego, letting people understand that anyone can learn this knowledge, anyone. And the other thing we're doing is we're walking the walk, learn, teach, and serve. We have someone who's a plumber who learns this knowledge and he's teaching it to a PhD. That's never occurred before, Angelo. We're truly leveling the playing field of knowledge. So it is revolutionary what we're doing, but it's based on scientific principles, engineering principles. My running for office gives 300 million people or a billion people, um, more people access to this now. If you raise consciousness, you could actually practically apply much more direct democracy. There you go. What are you view direct democracy? Because uh, you see, the way I see direct democracy, there's a there's a difference, and, and most people don't know, but there's a difference between electing and voting. And in reality, when you elect someone, you are giving up right. your right, your democratic right. Right. And basically, the lazy person, I I, I don't want to downplay all demo, demo, representative demo, democracy, but lazy people, they vote out of consciousness, they vote every five years, and it's like, Oh, I've done my duty. Well, in reality, people should be able to vote directly for laws that are actually essential, the most important laws, like, like for example, you know, in referendum, and they should be able to revoke through referendum to revoke people they have elected. So what, what is your view? Yeah. Is, is there is the room for, for direct democracy? Yeah, so, you know, before the British came to India, and you go look at the ancient times, many cultures lived like this, okay? It was direct democracy, right? If you go look at a small Indian village, there was direct democracy in those villages, all right? Um, and, and the reason you could do that was, you know, a village had 1,000 to 5,000 people, Angela, right? When we started creating these new systems of travel and, you know, or in, in the United States, when they were trying to create these 13 colonies working together, um, you had to travel all this distance, right? But now with technology, absolutely, it should be direct democracy. There's a pothole on my street. I shouldn't have to wait six years to get it fixed or pass infrastructure, right? It should be direct democracy at the most fundamental level. If I make money and I have tax dollars, you should be able to see, like you see on a portfolio screen, I want to allocate my monies here to fix these things. At that level, at the micro level, we should be able to do that. So we have the technology to do that. The reality is that in order to implement that technology, Angela, we're going to have to have a movement. There's so many amazing technologies. All these people say Bitcoin is going to solve the problem. No, Bitcoin's not going to solve any problem unless you have a a movement that seizes those means of production because Bitcoin is run on centralized servers still. Bitcoin is, requires massive amounts of energy. Bitcoin requires a blockchain to run, which is still controlled by Verizon and AT&T and people physically own the infrastructure. So my view on this, Angelo, is that as a technologist, I could say, oh yeah, I have this technology solution, da, 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 like a technocrat. But that leads back to the old 1800s model of a top-down model, creating these very sterile, utopian, smart city societies, right? That's not, that's not real democracy. Democracy is the individual directly participating in every decision, if they choose. So the real democracy is, do you want to choose to participate in direct democracy? But that tool is always there. Now, we have the tools to do all of that.
right now. But those in power are never going to unleash direct democracy because it's going to be, they're going to be out of business, right? We all know that. So in order to even win direct democracy, Angelo, we have to go and recognize that we have to build this bottoms up movement to educate people on this notion. I'll give you an example with, um, you know, censorship, right? Related to email, okay? And social media. Uh, you know, when I created the first email system in 1978, email was really created for the inter-office organization, right? And if you remember the first email systems, you don't need the internet. People would just connect a bunch of computers together and have email running, right? You're old enough, Angelo, you probably remember this, right? Anyone over the age of 40 remembers this, okay? Email was really between 1970 and 1993, was in the inter-office environment. When the internet came, email then became a consumer application. Before 1993, the average, maybe one out of a thousand people had an email account. After 1993, when the World Wide Web came, it made it easy to use the internet. Email became pervasive. But who ran these email systems? Private companies. Up until 1993, when I sent a letter to you or you sent a letter to me, it was through the, a very interesting institution called the Postal Service. And the Postal Service had its own military and its own police force. If anyone opened a letter in the middle of transport, at least in the United States, it was a 20-year sentence in prison. So the founders of the United States realized that you had to create a public infrastructure which could enable democracy to take place, which means free speech equaled free reach. Everyone could send a letter for the exact same price, right? And up until 1970, 70% of the communications, even through the Postal Mail Service, was political mail, right-wing, left-wing, communist, Green Party, all sorts of stuff. So 1997, I was running a company, my second invention in email, to analyze and route email. I had won a contest for the White House to do this. And I noticed something amazing in 1997, email volume overtook postal mail volume, which was coming down. And I was very concerned as a guy who invented email because email was really created to support communication among all people at a pennies. And I realized the postal service must create a public service email and, and allow the public to own that infrastructure. I, I was 29 years old. I met with the heads of the postal service and they laughed at me. They said, oh, we're in the postal mail business. Get out of here. You know nothing about our business. All right. 2011, the postal mail, the post, US postal system is going out of business. You can look it up. And I did a scathing article which went viral. And the head of the postal service, the inspector general who runs that police force called me, he goes, why are you attacking us? I said, look, your guy's job that was created by the constitution in 1787 was to ensure free speech equals free reach. You, were, you, you should move to this new medium. And I did two reports and nothing happened, okay, with that. The reason I'm bringing this up is that since 1997 till today, the entire infrastructure of email has been taken over by four private companies. They own your email now. They can read everything you have in there. We don't have, and that's why this really piece of shit bastard, Elon Musk, says, oh, free speech does not equal free reach. And he came from apartheid South Africa, right? He believes a small set of people should rule the many. So think about what's happened. Technology, because of the lack of understanding of the public infrastructure that's needed, 
has completely destroyed free speech now, okay? And social media has done that in a much more profound way. We don't have the First Amendment anymore. And it was Donald Trump on November 16, 2018, who signed into law the Cybersecurity Information Security Act, which basically destroyed the First Amendment. So we have no more freedom of speech, at least on electronic medium. So the fundamental view here is technology and technologists who make money off technology are never going to solve the problem. We need a bottoms-up movement of working people, a true, a true proletarian movement, not the lumpen proletarian movement, which has been led by many of these so-called left people, you know? Um, and so that's we're at a very important point in society, but we're not going to get there without the right theoretical framework, Angelo. So yes, I invented email. Yes, I did Cytosolve. I've created many things. I have many patents. But I would say my biggest invention is going to be the truth, freedom, and health infrastructure that we've created. And to get back to your point, the establishment has leveraged these people. Like you say, they're entertainers. How you sit, how you look, how you talk, what lipstick you wear. And that is all brainwashing of people to believe that you should select your leaders like that. Now, if we raise people's consciousness, it's a very different kind of person, you see? And you don't even need 8 billion people there. You need about 10,000 people who get that in different countries, Angelo. Yeah, Dr. Shia, I just want to confirm, I checked your Twitter account. Uh, your Twitter account, in fact, uh, you know, I want to tell people that uh, it, it is a shadow band. Big so time. you, I, I, think, I think that you are probably the only... Uh, candidate for the presidential election that is actually right now completely shadow banned. You are the only one. So that makes you a, a real, I mean, the opposition, the danger, the dangerous opposition for the system. Uh, I'd, li I'd like to, to ask you a question. Let's admit that tomorrow you manage to do what you'd like to do. How will you measure the quality of your democracy? What will be the benchmark? Uh, in terms of tangible, what would be the KPIs? What you, uh, how will you measure? I just want to give you an example. In China, for example, uh, the level of satisfaction is, and this is a Howard University study, it's 95%. And I actually live in China. I've been living 30 years of my life in China. Yeah, Angela, just to let my audience know, you live in China. You're a professor, right, in Hong Kong? Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm a consultant. I'm a consultant. Uh, and, and now I'm, I work mainly in media. But, uh, but I, I've been living there and really on the ground. And the, the level of satisfaction is, is staggering. And really, I mean, people are extremely happy. 95%. It's a system of select and elect. It's a system of meritocracy. You said, you said whoever wants to join politics joins, right? That's what you said just before. People are interested, you join. That's what China does. You, you, you are interested in politics, you join the, the a party, the, the, the Communist Party. Within the Communist Party, then uh, there's a system of selection. You need to have the basics to understand the basics of politics, and then there's a system of meritocracy. But, again... This system does, it's not up to us to like it, it's up to Chinese and they like it. Their measurement, the level of satisfaction is because it delivers and they're happy with that. And as a foreigner, I like, I see that and I'm like, okay, well, it's good for Chinese, that's fine. 
Now, what would be good for the U.S. and what would be the measurement? Yeah, so is it the same standard? Yeah. Would you have the same standard of level of satisfaction? Yeah, yeah. So, so let's talk about it. Look, um, going back to my fundamental principle, it would be wrong of me to dictate what that society is going to be and what the KPIs of that end society would be. But I can give you the transition states, okay? Because we're in one of them right now. So let me give you, uh, so if you follow what I'm saying, is that right now you have massive dis dissatisfaction among the American public, particularly the working people. They, and I, I give you the numbers, the KPIs on this. If you take a state like Massachusetts, 6.7 million people are citizens. 5.5 million people are eligible to vote, participate in this quote-unquote democracy. Out of that, only 4.2 million people even decide to participate, which means go register to vote. So you've already lost 1.3 million people right there, which means 1.3 million people don't even believe in the system. Out of those 4.2 million people registered to vote, how many do actually vote in an election? 2.2 million. So that means another 2 million people, even though they're registered to vote, don't even bother exercising their vote. So 2 plus 1.3 is what? 3.3 uh, uh, 3 million. Then on the day of voting, who are the parties? How are people bifurcated? 10% are Republicans. 35% are Democrats. The rest are unenrolled. They don't belong to any party. Okay? So 60% of people, which is about 1.2 million people, okay? Let's keep it a whole number, 1 million. So 1 million plus a 3.3, 4.3 million people either don't feel any connection with any one of these establishment parties and they go, right? Or they don't vote, et cetera. So what is that number? That's close to 80% of the people, okay? Don't feel any type of kindred communal attraction to any of these bloody idiots, okay? That's a lot of people. That's what I call, and that 1.3 and that two, particularly the 3.3 million, which represents, you know, 60% are what I call dark matter. People who just don't, they know it's all bullshit. Now, when we expose all the election systems issues, now people are wakening up. So now what's going on right now is that the establishment is in a massive disruption, Angelo. They typically have their establishment candidates. Ron DeSantis, they're probably going to run Newsom or Biden, right? These are their guys that went to Harvard, have, like you say, the looks. They're completely fueled by money, right? And that was who they would like if everything was, they didn't have to manipulate. But given this dissatisfaction, they're running around trying to figure out who's going to be their fake hero that they're going to use. Trump, let's indict him a little bit, make him an underdog. Or they went and found a brown face guy who looks like me. Okay. Because they, because we got out there, we call him Vivek the snake. Okay. Then they have Booby Kennedy, right. Who was promoting lockdowns. And now he speaks in forked tongue. So, the, or Tulsi Gabbard. So they're in a disarray right now. Why Angel? Because of us, our movement has been exposing these people because typically there's never been a movement that has the infrastructure, the pervasiveness to attack the not so obvious establishment. And because of that, what's happening is I'll give you a KPI. Every Thursdays, I'll put this up here. Every Thursdays at 11 a.m., 
And at 8 p.m., we do an open house. People get to directly interact with me, okay? We have hundreds, thousands of people who sign up. They come to this open house. It's a long day for me on Thursday, Angelo. Um, and I make myself fully accessible. None of these candidates do that. They have in-between proxies, right? So 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., we get people from Europe, people from the United States, everywhere. Then it goes from 8 p.m. sometimes to midnight, second session. We get people from the U.S., um, you know, India, other places, right? And in those sessions, what we're finding, Angela, in the last two years, something quite, the last year, last six months, it's escalated, okay? People are coming to us. I'll give you an example of one case study. I hated you for attacking Trump. You know, why did you attack him? And you're calling him all these names. But I saw your video and I had to reflect. And you were absolutely right. I'm becoming a Truth for Health Warrior scholar. Someone who was a Trump supporter. Another example, an orthopedic surgeon, very smart guy in California. He saw a video of Joe Rogan giving three hours to Booby Kennedy. Okay? Who's their man to manipulate people. Three hours. I don't get... Five seconds, even though Joe Rogan watches me, follows me. And this guy was almost going to vote for Kennedy, give him money, work on his camp. And then he goes, I saw one of your videos accidentally pop up where you're exposing Joe Rogan viciously and you're exposing Kennedy. And he goes, for two days, I couldn't sleep. I had cognitive dissonance because why would an intelligent guy be using fuck this guy, fuck that guy? Why would you be so angry? And I had to absorb that. Right. And he goes, I agreed with everything you have to say. They're coming to us. Very smart guy. Very self-reflective. You see, um, I live in Cambridge, Angelo. And this was two weeks ago. Cambridge is the center of the elites. This is where all the bullshit takes place. Harvard is over there. MIT is over there. Right. If you want to, this is the epicenter of the belly of the beast. I used to have a bus here. I saw the bus. When I ran against a woman called Elizabeth Warren, I don't know if you know the story, she claimed she was a Native American. Okay, she wasn't. She's a pure white person. And that's how she got into Harvard. Well, when I ran against her, I, I had the slogan, only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. Everyone loved it. It was a great ad slogan. Probably one of the best adver political advertising slogans. Um, so people would drive by my bus. They would throw tomatoes at the bus. They would get really angry, these white liberals, right? Because I, as a dark person, was, was hitting them from the left, right? So this woman says, I used to drive by your bus. I hated you. You're such an annoying human being. But I saw your videos, and I realized you're building a movement. And I realized that Bernie Sanders screwed us. I realized Elizabeth Warren screwed us. And I'm with you. So we are now getting these very intelligent people who were on that side, whatever, the left or the right bullshit side. And they're coming over because there's a desperation now, Angela, in the United States. A desperation like, wait a minute, we voted for these people who look good. We voted for the Kennedys and we've participated. What have we gotten? Nothing. And that is why I'm being so heavily shadow banned, Angelo, because um, uh, Donald Trump's former chief of staff, Reince Priebus, He's on the board of a friend of mine's company. A friend of mine said, oh, Shiva's running for president. He said, oh, my God, that's going to be a fucking disruption. They know us. They know we exist. And they know that what we are doing, they can never do because they're too fucking lazy. Their model is like, get on TV, 
have talking points, collect donations, and give it to your consultants. They don't do any hard work, Angelo. They won't, they won't. Will Donald Trump go to a train station and pass out a flyer? No way. So though that's an example of a set of KPIs that we're seeing, not just people. See, in 2020 and 2021, a lot of people came to us. Oh, Dr. Shiva is the MIT guy fighting for us for vaccine against the vaccine mandates. It was very opportunistic, right? In some ways, selfish, right? But now we're getting a much different quality of people. We're getting people who are very enlightened, okay? We're getting people who truly understand these concepts, and do and are and are self-critical, you know. If you go back to one of the biggest things you can measure someone's state of consciousness, uh, are they willing to be self-critical of themselves? Right? Are they willing to say, "Oh, I fucked up," you know? And now we're getting those kinds of people. So that's quite extraordinary. And so that's a, that's a very important KPI that we see. But in a truly democratic system, Angelo, right? How would you measure that KPI? Okay. Well, everything we're doing is meritocracy based. We didn't say, oh, you have a PhD, you get to be leader in Sardinia. Oh, you have this. We actually educate people. They have to pass exams. They have to understand the knowledge. They have to be able to learn, teach, and serve. They have to be able to teach the curricula. Then they have to get on the ground. So we have people bottoms up. We have a woman who's one of our key leaders. She's out in Nebraska, a woman. Uh, she's my running mate, okay? She came bottoms up and she's in the Midwest. We have a, another young guy, John Medlar, 29-year-old kid. And then we have another Indian guy, right? And all of these people have come bottoms up and all of our leaders have to go through this process of meritocracy. So I would measure in that next phase, the actual KPI of how many of our leaders are able to teach like I'm doing right now and mobilize other people, right? Without my involvement. That would be a measure of the dispersion of this concept, you say, and people mobilizing other people on the ground. I would me measure how many people got one of these flyers, right? I would measure how many people, after seeing our videos, putting one of these bumper stickers on the back of their window, because 100,000 people see this per day. So people are getting this, because this is saying a big fuck you to the establishment, right? Because I am not going to follow Trump. I'm not going to, I'm going to put this guy up and I know you're shadow banning him. And I know the level of injustice you're doing. So that would be some interim KPIs, Angelo. Is there anything related to, uh, I mean, actions related to, uh, against this uh, project of deconstruction of society. Because you see that the problem is that uh, there's a deconstruction of human being, society, values, and so on. And also it's a society which is based on the individual, not so much on society. Right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about a message, uh, like something like a project for the society. You, you know, you know we, we, ne we never hear about project. What is the project we have for our nation? What do we want? You see, it's election cycle. So let me give you let me give you a KPI. Okay, that's why you know our entire election is based on a KPI, um, it, it, right? And I shared that with you. This is the KPI. If you bring back that flyer, right? I think it's still there. Um, Are you sharing that? Yeah. Let me. Let me. I have yeah. Let me. Let me yeah. share it with you. Okay. So yeah. 
to by the way, to everyone listening, KPI is really a Harvard Business School term that was created I think in the 70s, but it means key performance indicator. Okay. Let's begin with the key performance indicator of the elites. That's their key performance indicator. Okay. Angelo, see that? Yep. This is their KPI, which is your child's life expectancy is going to be less than yours. So in a very material way, you know, our KPI is extending people's life expectancy, right? Number one is seeing people's health improve. Another KPI is the concept. We know the number one reason that people live long, Angela, number one reason, you know what it is? Happiness. Yeah. But where does that happiness come from? We're, we're from less stress, a level of stress. Less yeah. Level of stress yeah. Yeah. And where does that come from? Well, that's uh, using slave labor, putting people in the slaves. <laughs> well, the number so, one reason people live long is because they have close knit friendships and family community. Number one reason. So everything yeah. you've said, the economic inequality, that has devastated people's relationships on the individual level, you know, on the social level, people are completely fragmented, shattered, right? So, and we know from the work that's been done actually um, out of Sardinia, right? The people live the oldest in the Oliastra region in central sort of North Sardinia um, are the people of Sardinia, right? Highest per capita who live yeah. very healthy, 85 year old guys climbing trees, right? So if you use that as a KPI, ultimately your physical vibrance, your health, your happiness, you can see it in a person, right? And if that is the ultimate KPI and you realize that it's directly related to community. Now, as a systems biologist, I have a very profound understanding of this. Every policy that the elites have passed literally affects your biology. When they did lockdowns, Angelo, that literally affected the your mitochondrial respiration, your oxidative stress, your inflammation, which are three things that destroy your immune system. Robert Booby effing Kennedy killed millions of people. He was promoting lockdowns. So did Trump. So policy affects biology. So if you want to get very mechanistic about this, every policy that they pass affects people's at the molecular level. I just wrote a paper on this, okay? It's an aging paper. And when you affect the immune system of people, you destroy their lifespan. So the ultimate example of this is happiness, right? There are people who smoke and drink, but they live really long because they have family and community. They have church groups, whatever it is, right? And this modern ultra imperialist model has shattered all that. And that's why 60, 80% of people are dark matter right now. And that's the big opportunity, right? The, ultimately, the big revolution was supposed to occur in the most industrialized nation, right? Which is what the United States still is. And that's why I believe what we're doing is historic and profound. But we're going at the atomic level, Angelo. We have to. We can't just give people, oh, let me dress up nicely. Let me go get some Botox and let me talk very diplomatically, you know, and manipulate people, right? It's going to just go around. We have the knowledge of science and we're helping people understand that. And that is why the more they make us invisible, Angelo, it actually becomes a weapon against them. So I would share with you that there's a clear KPI, lifespan, happiness index, whatever you want to call it. That's very, very low in the United States right now. 
No, absolutely. I think it's fascinating. You, you holistic approach. You know, I like very much like those KPI. I mean, in, in terms of quality of life, uh, it reminds me of the, of the the Bhutan. Bhutan actually has a has this benchmark, right? Is a is a happiness index. You know, they they don't calculate the GDP, yeah. but they calculate the. I don't know what's the 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 name, but it's it's a it's an index yeah, it's for called, for happiness. The happiness index. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. And I think it's, it's going back to the fundamentals. You see, I, is it like the, the U.S. Constitution? I'm, I'm not an expert in the life, Constitution. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, and the yeah. Yes, you nailed it. It's, it's a purpose seeking, seeking happiness, right? I mean, there's so much, so much theory uh, in the U.S. Like, you know, you put in your Constitution that, you know, the purpose is seeking happiness. Uh, while in reality, it's, uh, when you look on the ground, it's just, it's miserable and looking from outside it doesn't look good and it's reflecting is reflecting on u.s geopolitics you know i we feel outside that the u.s is desperate and uh and it's collapsing it looks like rome ancient rome about to collapse yes because yeah. decadence and, the corruption the decadence yeah i mean and and it's fascinating because Let's say you're trying to sell me this bottle of water, right? And you're a salesman. You typically say nice words to me. You're very diplomatic, right? Or are you trying to sell a car? When was the last time you said, Angela, I'm going to buy that water from you because you yelled at me and you exposed how bad the other water is? That rarely happens. But we're getting people like that. I'm yelling and screaming and calling Kennedy a fucking piece of shit and Trump a bullshitter, you know? And and people know, oh, the first phase, oh, Dr. Shiva, you're such an intelligent person. Why are you cursing at them? Because that's what these people are. And I don't have to, I'm not going to use your language because what they're doing is so profoundly evil on a fundamental way. So people are overcoming that language. Like that woman, I found you annoying, but I'm going to sign up because I get it. You see? So we're breaking through a completely different mindset. The elites want us to talk in their lingua franca. They want us to talk on their battlefields in their diplomatic bullshit ways. And that's language is thought, Angelo. And when you break that, and that tells me people are willing to break that. So when intelligent, quote unquote, are being self-reflective, to me, this is quite profound. And we're at the tip of the spear of that. And the elites do not know what to do. Kennedy literally watches my videos and copies my words and makes his own videos, Angelo. That's how desperate they are. So we're, we're so our movement is historic because we've created the infrastructure. We've created the curricula. All we need is just explosively grow it. And it's going to be the S curve in business, right? Goes like this and it goes like this. And it's going to go like that. So that's where we're at. We're right at the tip of that S curve now. No, absolutely. I want uh, to show you. I want to show you one paper since we're since yes, you, please. you want to talk about KPIs. I'm going to share this with you. Is um, you know I actually work for a living and I still publish and I still do science while doing this other thing, right? So we just published a paper called "Attenuation of Aging Related Oxidative Stress Pathways," and what we did in this paper is we mapped out Angelo all the mechanisms at the cellular level involved in aging, oxidative stress, which means your body rusts, okay? It creates reactive oxygen species. Autophagy is a mechanism in your body where your body gets rid of dead cells. It cleans itself, okay? Uh, mitochondrial dysfunction, which is when your mitochondria stops working properly. Senescence, right? And then metabolic dysfunction. 
And what we did was using this technology, by the way, you know, uh, one of the things that came out of my PhD work was a technology to map out molecular pathways. We can do the work of 20 institutions faster and cheaper. And we literally looked at oxidative stress and we mapped out all those pathways. And then we found the specific ingredients, the, the, the chemist, chemical that eliminate oxidative stress. And these are these six ingredients. And guess what they come from, okay? Um, and then we showed mechanistically, and then we modeled it. We did all the science showing how these particular compounds in combination will remove oxidative stress, which basically de-age you, okay? And then in a very practical way, because we want to make it accessible, and we did all the research on this, by the way, and this is one of the number, leading journals in the world, we showed that these chemicals affect this, but guess where they come from? These constitutive materials, okay? Particularly blueberries and raspberries, okay? Most of them you can get from there. But many of these are now not organic. They have pesticides. And most people can't even afford any of these anymore, right? Go try to buy some fresh blueberries and you live in the city. It's unaffordable, all right? But what we've started doing is we've mapped, I know at a very material level, at the biological level, that this policy that they're doing is going to affect your biology. When you get depressed, it affects mitochondrial dysfunction. So everything that the elites are doing, Angelo, every policy that they do is destroying someone's actual biochemistry. When was the last time someone talked like that or could explain that? Never. Very simple. That policy is creating inflammation in your body. That policy is going to create depression in your body. And this is what they're doing. And we need to make this about you. And people are ready for that. This is not, oh, I like Trump. He's going to shut the border wall down. You see, or some, well, some, something that they choose. Oh, it's about, uh, you know, the transgender issue. All of these issues, again, the transgender issue divides left and right. Well, the real reason people are questioning their sexuality is because there's so many chemicals that have disrupted the endocrine system in the body. It's, so they don't want to talk about that which means you'll point the finger at Syngenta and all the big bioagricultural companies. Instead, they want to make it the woke people versus the anti-woke. You see, everything they do is to make sure people are having these minor little atomic fights, not stepping back. And we're the movement that's doing that. So the real unity is going to come from people understanding the systems perspective, not the fake unity. You know, when I exposed Booby Kennedy he said, oh, Dr. Shiva's shattering. He's splitting the medical freedom movement. Let's unite. His unities don't expose me for the scumbag I am. But that is precisely what we're doing, Angelo. And it's quite effective. So just to pitch to everyone, if someone's overseas, even in China, wherever they are, you can get one of these stickers that says shatter the swarm. Truth, freedom, and health. For people in the United States, we recommend people go get this bumper sticker. It's like five bucks. But why do I do this? Because most people, Angela, are working, right? They can't be activists, but they put this bumper sticker on the back of their car. It's something, it's, it's a high return on investment. 100,000 people see that bumper sticker, you see? And then the next level of consciousness is go download, go download the flyer. Come to our open house. Study and see that there are other people so you don't feel alone. The establishment, Angelo, wants to make all of us feel alone. And when you feel alone, it affects your physiology. It affects you, you become more depressed. So every 
um, every, um, you know, every Thursdays, we invite people to come. It's really community building. People get very excited. They hear stories from people all over the world about how they came to come across the movement, the journey that they've become. And now this makes people realize, wow, there's people here and here and here. They're not willing to accept the lesser of two evils. And that's very, very a positive feedback system, Angelo. So, and then the third level of consciousness is people become a truth, freedom, and health warrior. That's a very high state of consciousness. I'm going to study. I'm going to understand. I'm going to want to be my own guru. I'm going to lead. I want direct democracy, right? And in order to get there, we have to mobilize a bottom-up movement. Yes, absolutely. And you focus mainly on, 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 on the class struggle. I mean, basically the 99% against the 1%. And you try really to unite all, all the people. That, that actually, you know, they're, they're divided. That, that's the whole idea, right? Uh, yeah, the idea, yeah I, is, the idea is recognizing people to understand. Now I use the word caste struggle. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's become class caste, and, and, right? But fundamentally, it's a fact that there are still real proletarians. The establishment of the last 50 years, the left has done this. They have made the word worker be the non-worker, you know, a lumpen proletariat is who the left promotes as a proletariat. So we're going to hit the left from the left, right? So they're doing something very, very evil, right? They tell people not working makes you a worker, right? Versus, and they want to squeeze, the left wants to squeeze the working class and the right wants to squeeze the working class. The left squeezes the working class by promoting the lumpen proletariat, and the right squeezes the working class by telling them, oh, don't start a bottoms-up movement to fight for your rights. That's capital C communists being run from China or Russia, right? So they have the working class on the left and the right, you know? I want to play a video, if it's okay, Angelo, for... Um, I want to play this video because it really speaks to our movement. I think I have to share my screen so it'll be a slight silence because we or um yeah let me let me go to my screen let me stop sharing this screen for a second okay and i'm going to bring up the video here and i'm going to then share your video with me one second everyone i want everyone to see our video on truth freedom and health and so angela what i'm going to do is i'm going to share my screen now with you okay so I can play the video on here. So share screen. I'm here. Okay, you can see that, right, Angela? Okay, so let me play this video. Here we go. So this will really give you where our movement came and what people can actually take action on. We have allowed our country to be taken over from within. And the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you, deep down inside them, that you don't deserve the freedoms you have. They don't. This reality is what people need to wake up to, and we need to all unite working people. There's only one movement that can do that, and that is the movement that we started creating here in Massachusetts, the movement for truth, freedom, and health. Look, I've been a student of politics since I was a four-year-old kid, studying revolutionary movements, left-wing, right-wing, there's a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. To build a bridge, you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. And that's why I put this together. 
My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom, and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media. We need leaders, but they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. We wow. got to train people first with understanding what a system is, the dynamics of all systems that affect nature. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom, and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas hypothesis into truth, which is science. And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Truth, freedom, health. Third concept is it has to be bottoms up. Working people, people who work uniting. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communist. Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers, completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, you don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people to go local, to go local, to go local, fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, Forget celebrities, you've got to learn politics, and there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is the not-so-obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is the not-so-obvious establishment, which are those people who claim they're for you, on the left and the right, the Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you, the Tucker Carlsons. Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment. Without this solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're going to follow on the left wing Bernie Sanders. Oh, he said something. Or Robert Kennedy. Scumbags. Or you're going to follow some right-wing talk show host. They're not going to lead us to liberation. It's us. We're building a bottoms-up movement. And that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change. Bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done. And it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. You know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up. His own, quote unquote, people. And that's where we're at. So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum where people can go to truthfreedomhelp.com and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics. And I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within a half an hour, an hour, I can teach people two years of MIT control systems. I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it. Anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I got to build a bottoms up movement. They have to get politically astute and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. And the Senate campaigns expanded to the movement for truth, freedom and health, and they can find it on truthfreedomhealth.com. So people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they want to take a course and become a truth, freedom, health leader, I offer a full scholarship there, but we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to truthfreedomhealth.com.
So I hope that helped uh, you a little bit uh, understand what we're actually doing. Let me go back to, let me bring, hold on one second. I, I need to bring you back into our screen so everyone can hear you. Come back here. Okay. So Angela, so that's what we've done. So every Mondays, uh, by the way, when I first started this, Angelo, I as a professor would have to teach this. Two sessions I would do every Mondays. Now we have others teaching it, okay? So we have a whole team of people globally who teach it. So Mondays we have two sessions before people were staying awake until three in the morning in Europe, in Italy, right? And now we have people who teach it in the morning for the Europe. And so we have that every uh, Thursdays we do open houses to invite new people, right? Um, and then we get people on the ground. And then we have an incredible leadership program, which we do on Saturdays. So this has literally become an institution now, you know? Uh, it's more than just, oh, we're just going to hand out, you know, just do something. It's become the, the order of the day. So it'd be, it'd be good to, uh, I was just in um, Asia, you know, uh, about uh, in August. And it was very interesting uh, meeting a lot of people from Hong Kong, a lot of Americans who've settled there, hearing their perspective about what's going on, very thoughtful perspectives. Um, uh, and that basically you realize how propagandized the U.S. media is. You know, people think people think people think a friend of mine was saying people think they're like when China, an example he gave was people think China is going to go to war with Taiwan. He goes, don't people understand that all that's going to happen is the Chinese premier just has to make a call to one, one of the generals in Taiwan. There'll be a coup and it's over. You know, it's not like and China has so many UAPs protecting the South China Sea there that no Americans. I mean, they have. So many weapons already mapped out there. So there's this complete nonsense that the U.S. media does to people on creating these dialectics and fake enemies so they don't focus on the real enemy, which is the swarm in the United States. The Trumps, the Kennedys, the Bidens, you know, all these fools who are basically raping the American working people. No, absolutely. Uh, I think we have problems. Our own Western society has a, a big problem. Uh, when you look at, uh, you see, I think this, uh, uh, we, we have a problem. I think it's just ignorance. You see that the Chinese, they say, know yourself and know your enemy. See, Chinese, they really do uh, work of introspection and they are very interested in understanding the, how the world is operating. Actually, what the Chinese did, you know, in 1979, when China decided to opening up, with Deng Xiaoping, he went around the world and he tried and he, 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 he looked at whatever, which country was doing what and what was successful. And the idea was to do a mix of the best practice. Deng Xiaoping, he said, no matter if the, if the cat is white or black, as long as it catches the mouse. So you <laughs> see the problems we have in the West, you know what it is? It's, uh, we have four logical level. We don't know that we don't know. We know that we don't know. We know that we know. And then when it comes to the subconscious level that you, you don't know that you know in reality. The problem in the West is that we don't know that we don't know. That's the problem. We are so self-centered and even our own culture, even our own political system. I'm talking about average Joe because the purpose is to not to make him conscious if you make him conscious, he becomes dangerous. 
Yeah, and there's a, but but Angela, there's a reason for this. Let's just step back a little bit, okay? There's yeah. an active effort to make the working class in the United States unconscious. And I've, I can explain to you why. If you think about the arc of all of human history, right? When was, particularly in recent modern times, the first time a group of people, let's think about humans as humans, right? As a collective set of humans, right? There's this one group of humans in 1776 who win the rights to speak out against their government. This concept of freedom of speech is quite profound and the right that they can bear arms. And there's a declaration of independence which says those arms that we're going to give you by right is not for shooting deer or pheasants, but you can use that to overthrow your government if needed. This is freaking profound. Think about this, what these guys were. These guys were like beings from another planet. Now, the day that that occurred, it was a bomb went off to all the elites all over the world, particularly the British Empire. And the British Empire never wanted to give those first amendment, particularly the second amendment, the first and the second. So they started working from 1776 to, to today to make sure those rights were removed. You know, when I was thrown off Twitter, I discovered that the entire infrastructure the censorship infrastructure was funded and developed by the Atlantic Council out of Britain. Oxford is still thinks they're running the world. Why is it all the MIT, pre, uh, or not the MIT, the U.S. presidents, most of them are, there's a big prestige to become a Rhodes Scholar, an Oxford Rhodes Scholar. The British Empire is still running intellectually the world at a very fundamental level. And they do not believe in the First Amendment. And, and so what they've done, Angelo, in a very deliberate way is to create Hollywood, is to create the entertainment culture, to manipulate Americans to become fat, dumb, and happy because they do not want the white working class exercising the First and Second Amendments whenever the government comes to destroy them, which is what's happened. And in order to do that, you must make people fucking dumb and you must remove, you must have them know more about Kim Kardashian or what Donald Trump's, um, which, which golf he's playing, or whether Booby fucking Kennedy, who he banged, okay? They have to reduce it to that level. So it's been a systematic process of bringing people from a higher state of consciousness way down to the lowest chakra. And that's what's devastating because if the, and that's why they put Trump in power. They used Obama he manipulated both wings, blacks and whites. The white working class, by the way, 57% of people voted for Obama. They needed fucking this white dude, Trump. He's a complete fucking actor. They find this guy who says the things they needed to hear. Okay, say, lock her up. Okay, lock her up. That was a Madison. They, they did all the research on that. Okay, now say, drain the swamp. Now say, build the wall. And that's all he did. The day he gets elected, he said, oh, locker up was only for the election. I mean, he screwed them. But because the brain was so trained to into the celebrity culture, they, oh, okay, oh, okay, because people have lost their own dignity. They've lost the fact that, hey, my parents came here as immigrants with $75 with nothing. And, they, and this country gave me all this stuff to work my butt off. Oh, people went and fought wars to protect the First and Second Amendments. You see, all of that had to be destroyed. 
So the biggest psychological operations was done by the U.S. elites and the British Empire, British elites. It was an MI6 operation, man, against the American working class. And so that's where we're at. The most powerful working class in the world has been disarmed by, the, by shackles on their brains. That's what's happened. The American working class still has some elements of freedom, but the Second Amendment, and you have to destroy that. And by the way, the research I just finished, and I did uh, systems now, the number one reason all these gun shootings occur is because of income inequality. And the right wing doesn't want to talk about that, and the left wing doesn't want to talk about that. The left wing wants to disarm people, and the right wing says, oh, it's video games or this. Both wings have created income inequality. And that income inequality is a reason for that gun violence. And so fundamentally, what's happened is they are pushing these entertainers. Alex Jones, an entertainer who just endorsed Trump. Joe Rogan, a bloody idiot, okay? UFC, WWE Wrestling, Hollywood. This platform of entertainment was designed to destroy the American's brain. Khrushchev said it, America will eat itself out internally. And Hollywood is that culture that was created for that, Angelo. And it was done deliberately because they must disarm people. Because the American working class, those rights which still exist and every day they're being eroded because of that stupidity. Is that's why this is so important for people to understand. That's where we're at. No, I absolutely uh, agree. Uh, you see, in China, in China, the, the way that you know, because the Chinese they love watching uh, Western politics, and especially in the U, the U.S. And when you they come up with the with those slogans, because those slogans it's just words, freedom, democracy, all the time. And actually, they want to export a system which is not working back home, right? What would you want to export a system where you have only thirty percent of satisfaction, right? And Chinese, you know what they say? They say they're very pragmatic. They say. Uh, you know what? I want food on the table. I want a roof. I want to be able to put my kids to school. I want to have healthcare. I mean, simple stuff. Go to basics. Now you look at the politics in the West, gender politics. Uh, I mean, just division. Chinese, the way they operate. You see, the problem we have in the West is that we interpret Democracy as being the mob rule. The mob rule is in practice 51%. They can rule, they can rule at the expense of the 49%. The way it is done. China is not like this. We imply that you need to fight. Yes, we the Chinese they fight. When they are in politics, they fight, but then at the end they come up with a compromise and they take into account the 49% because they know. This time I have 51%. Next time I'll be in the minority. And the idea is compromising. So you see, and, and I think, I think to what you well, said just the before. Other, the other thing also, Angelo, yeah. again, um, is that if you look at the average politician in the United States, I don't think any of them, very few of them are engineers or scientists ever had that to solve right. any problems. If you look at the Communist Party of China, what I understood is, all of them have gone through some engineering or scientific education. Every one of them can solve an integral. Everyone understands what Newton's equation is. Everyone understands the laws of thermodynamics, right? All of them know this. 
if you go to the US politicians, none of them know any what, what I just mentioned. They can't even add probably numbers together. They probably don't even know what a balance sheet is, a profit and loss statement is, or a cash flow statement is. So that's a level of idiots that you have there. And then those idiots are having these two-year terms. So think about the whole term process. So you come in in the House of Representatives, you have two terms. The day you get elected, you're looking to get reelected. <laughs> and the senators, they have six years. And the president, so here's my view. What should happen is it should everything should be aligned on an eight-term process. You get elected, you get eight, eight years, and you're done for president. And everything should be synced. You see, you get elected to the Senate, it should be eight years, and you get, you get elected to the House four years, right? And you're done but you have enough time to do something. The reason this is important is there are three buckets that these idiots are deciding where money goes to. One is for security, like to protect borders, right? The other is for equity, giving people free money, okay? To quiet the masses down. And the third is infrastructure, which is a long-term play. Now, if you get elected for two years, you're never gonna vote for infrastructure. You're gonna say, oh, let me give some free money out because I wanna get elected. So this is the cycle that they're in. So they don't even compromise. They're not even solving a real problem. And when they say they're not, it's, it's like compromising on stupid problems. And they don't even compromise on that, right? It's not a matter of, okay, we need to have a really great subway system in the United States. That's not even on the table. <laughs> That's not even there, right? There's no massive infrastructure project, right? There's no project to say every child really needs to understand systems thinking. Because without systems thinking, our children are going to be dumb, okay? So, but this is done by design. This is, this is, a, this is done by design because they only want a few people to understand system science. Because a few understand, but this is the, you know, the snake going to eat its own tail. And now the elites are so selfish, they don't care if the U.S. economy crashes because they'll just move their money to emerging markets, right? So at a trillionaire level, this is no, there's no nation states even anymore, right? BRICS was actually created by JP Morgan. It was created by Goldman Sachs. So the US neighborhood, you'll destroy it, move capital over here, right? And then you'll bring that capital back to buy this things at 10 cents or one cents on the dollar. So, but the key thing is the American fundamental rights are what, the goal, all of this, you know, I just want to end with this, is that all of this was done, Angela, with a very conscious way to make the American working class fat, dumb, and happy. Or fat, dumb, and quote-unquote happy, you know? And entertainment was the way they did it. Did you know there's a guy, and I've mentioned this before, there's one guy called Ari Emanuel. He is the owner of the biggest Hollywood agency that runs all the Hollywood actors. Trump was his client. Obama was his client. Well, Ari Emanuel also owns all the boxing matches. He also owns all the worldwide wrestling entertainment. You know, the stupid people wrestling, doing the fake wrestling. So he owns wrestling entertainment. He owns boxing. He owns Hollywood. And he owns all of these politicians. Because you don't get a book out anywhere without having a good agent. And that's who he is. So one person who, by the way, works with probably Zionist Israel, okay? It's a whole nother discussion, is controlling all of the entertainment in the United States. Elon Musk was going to be put on the board of that company. It's all entertainment. 
And then they project people as freedom fighters, as innovators. You know, Elon Musk never created anything. Everything he created was a piece of crap. Everything he did was maneuvering himself to be in a position where he could say he founded something. He's basically their front man. He's a government front man. It's like a, it sounds like a Rome, you know, decadent Rome where they, they gave uh, free bread to people just to, to keep them silent and give them games. We, we just repeating the history. Exactly. exactly. And it's interesting because it's so obvious, you know, Elon Musk wanted to fight, you know, Zuckerberg in a fight and they were going to do it at the Coliseum. This is a level yep. of idiocracy. So anyway, but that's the analysis. But the key thing I wanted to share with you, Angela, you, you're a very thoughtful person. So I appreciate this interaction. And I'm glad we connected is that we have a solution. But the solution goes down to engineering systems principles. Yes, people are going to roll up their sleeves and have to learn that. Then they're going to have to apply it. But we have a very clear vision. And this thing that we put together is, you know, I had a very good friend of mine who's actually Chinese here, grew up Chinese American, um, went to MIT. He was offered an incredible position at Xinhua. So he went back to Xinhua and he came back to visit me. He goes, Shiva, um, he was saying, I can't even find you on the internet. You're so shadow banned. And you know what I told him? I said, wouldn't it be ironic if you had me come to China to do a lecture on American censorship? <laughs> That's what we should do. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. I, you, you'd be welcome. I think your message will re would resonate so much with Chinese, and especially one thing is that no, no. But Angela, think about what I'm saying. Doing yeah, a, no, no. a seminar, an American political candidate giving yes. a talk on U.S. censorship in China, that I would have to go to China to get an audience of intellectuals because you can't get it here. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I have the same. You know, you know, uh, Dr. Shiva. I have the same. Some subjects. Uh, for example, the Ukrainian war, the, the Ukrainian conflict, uh, I would be in danger. I would have problems if I was to report this in uh, in Europe. And and this is uh, and I have personal friends that are actually at the present moment for doing journalists work, journalistic work, they're in prison in, in Ukraine. So I have so that that's the reality. It's a it's a it's a sad reality. But, but Dr. Shiva, I'd like I'd like to say it's been it's been a great pleasure. Uh, it's very inspiring, and I've seen the comments. All I mean, most of my followers they, they really love your message. I think you have a great mission here. I think you're touching things that are essential, really, in terms of society. Uh, what, what's the, what, what is just amazing is that you you have a holistic approach, and you're talking about the human being. You know, that's things that actually we tend to forget because behind politics, there's a human being and, and, and fundamentals, human right. We are talking about life expectancy. Uh, and I think this resonates uh, a lot. And, and, and I think you have an important message. And, and I'm glad this, it's been a, a honor for me to, to have you on my channel. Yeah, thanks, Angelo. Um, I think the key thing here is why is it that I'm the only one talking about life expectancy, about all these candidates? And that was a sort is because none of them are one of us, man. None of them came from below. I never forgot where I came from. And my life, Angelo, has always been fighting these guys since I was a four-year-old kid. The caste system in India, fighting for, you know, the fact that I created the email system and they try to take away that credit from me, right? My entire life has been struggling and fighting. So I think we need to recognize that you cannot, in the United States, 
How can you elect these leaders are coming from above? They never had to go bottoms up. You know, they never had to go through the trials and tribulations. And this is why I think our campaign is going to is we're going to win every person, Angelo. You ask what success is. Every person who comes in becomes a truth, freedom, health warrior. That's one razor blade against the elites. It's every one of those because now we've created you can't take away this knowledge. Once you learn French, it's not suddenly you stop learning French. Once you learn one plus one is two, you can't take that away. So that's why the Truth, Freedom, and Health movement that, that you know, we've created, it's really a system. It's a community. It's a technology. And all of you, anyone listening on your end, everyone go to truthfreedomhealth.com. Get involved. It's global. You'll meet amazing people all over the world. It's fundamentally a consciousness-raising educational movement. Uh, every ch And by the way, Angela, what we do is People pay pennies, adults, because when I try to give it away, no one wanted it. So we, we asked people to pay a little bit. But after an adult goes through it, they can give it to as many children as they want. So if someone in China wants to take this, they can give it away to all one billion Chinese children. OK, or half a billion. So our goal is we recognize that children need to learn systems thinking long before even they learn reading, writing and arithmetic, because it gives them a very different perspective. Great. Yeah. Well, Dr. It's been a great pleasure and uh, well, thank you again and uh, great, all, all, the, all the best for the continuation and uh, all the best. Thank you very much, Angelo. Be well. Thank Be you. Well. Thank you. Hope to do it again. So everyone, that was um, a, a, uh, a uh, very smart guy at who, who actually uh, moved to China and he wanted to do this. As I close out, you know, I cannot overemphasize what everyone must do. It's about action. Um, I really believe in action. Go to Shiva numeral for president.com and get one of these bumper stickers. Do it right now um, because you're supporting the campaign, but more importantly, you're supporting yourself because if you're hardworking, you don't have time perhaps to be an activist, but you can put this on the back of your, um, you know, the back windshield. Don't put it on the lower bump thing, put it on the windshield and a hundred thousand people will see it. If you're overseas, go get the shatter the swarm. Okay. You can go to vashiva.com and get that. And then, Everyone out there, you can get this flyer, but we have to educate people on this fundamental issue. As Angela said, this is a human rights issue, that the elites are destroying your children. And the way out of it is we need to build a bottoms up movement. It's the only way out. Um, and they're not going to do it for us. And you have to let go of all of these fools, Kennedys, Trumps, all these morons. They're all part of the elites. They exist to distract you from you. And our movement is about you. It's about raising your consciousness. It's about making you have dignity for yourself. As I close out, I'm going to play the Shiva for President video. Enjoy it. Get involved. Get involved. Get involved. Get off your butt in any way you can. Thank you. Who would have ever thought I'd be running for president of the United States of America? I was born a low caste untouchable in India's caste system, a system of aristocracy, oppression, and racism. My name is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. I'm an MIT PhD, a Fulbright scholar, a scientist, engineer, entrepreneur, and inventor. My family and I left India to come to America on my seventh birthday. I grew up in the working class neighborhoods of New Jersey, playing baseball, mowing lawns, painting houses, and coding software. My friends and neighbors are blacks, Italians, Irish, people of all races. As a 14-year-old, I wrote 50,000 lines of software code to create the world's first email system and was awarded the first U.S. copyright for email recognizing me as its official inventor at a time when copyright was the only way to protect software inventions. I did that long before I ever came to MIT, revealing that big innovations can occur anytime, anyplace by anybody. 
Growing up, I saw politicians dividing us by race and religion in both America and India to have us fighting each other while they remained safe in their gated communities and in their playgrounds of Hollywood, Martha's Vineyard, and Silicon Valley. I'm a fighter. I fought racism and exposed their imperialist wars, fought for workers, and put my life on the line against global corruption. I never wanted to run for political office. All that changed when I saw working Americans as never before being duped by the establishment and the not-so-obvious establishment. Across left and right, we were being sold out and made to forget why we came to America and why America existed. Lawyers, academics, billionaires, celebrities and politicians, elites, Clintons, Kennedys, Bidens, Obamas, Bushes, black and white have hijacked America. They printed trillions for their friends. They delivered crumbling infrastructure, corruption and racism. They transferred trillions to themselves, dividing black and white, fear-mongering and fake science, lockdowns and censorship, dirty air, food and water, pushing drugs upon us, making us sicker. We've been sold out. One set of rules for them and another for us. We deserve a warrior with a history of courage in putting everything on the line for you, who believes in you, not them, who has created a movement bottoms up for truth, freedom, health. I've exposed their lies at the right time, never waiting until it was popular. I've exposed their false gods who exist to lead you back to them. I've exposed their fake science of lockdowns and masking and provided you solutions to fight them and win and protect your immune system, saving millions. I exposed Fauci, galvanized the fire Fauci campaign when others remained silent. When they stole our election, we sued the government and Twitter in our historic 2020 federal lawsuit, exposing in bare view the government and big tech censorship infrastructure, the unholy alliance between government and social media companies. Where was Elon and his grifters? They stood by the sidelines and did nothing. They did not use their megaphones to help us when it could have made a big difference. Now our movement grows for truth, freedom, health, independent of all of them. Every day millions are learning the science of systems, the knowledge the elites do not want you to have, so you may learn how to think, stand up, and fight, independent of the establishment of left and right and their fake heroes. Now it's time for you to join the movement, to win back America, to win back truth, win back freedom, win back your health. That's why I'm running for President of the United States. This race is about you. This race is about truth, freedom, health versus power, profit, control. We've had enough. They think we'll fall in line and vote again for their lawyers, celebrities, billionaires, and chosen ones from above. We choose our heroes from below, from the rank and file who do what is right at the right time, not when it's convenient and popular. They can never represent us. What America needs is a movement by the working people, for the working people, who are educated, organized, decentralized, and fight for independence from their systems of control. And that movement exists. It's ready for you. We don't need them. We need us to go bottoms up, neighbor to neighbor. My journey, your journey, are all the same. It's our time. It's time we had one of us. It's time to win back truth, freedom, health. To win back America. Be part of this historic movement all the way to our victory on November 5th, 2024. If you're an American citizen, pledge your vote now for Dr. Shivaya Duray, the independent candidate for U.S. President. No matter where you live, you can be a part of this. Volunteer as little as 20 minutes a day. Don't delay. This is Dr. Shivaya Duray, and I approve this message paid for by Dr. Shiva for President.